This is Sam's Guide, Season 2, Episode 17, An Army of One. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstoguide.com. Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, CSB. back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree. I'm sorry I wasn't here last week. I just could not get through recording an episode. So I wrote things down because that is my first love. And those thoughts and feelings are on the blog, www.psalmstogod.com. Now is the perfect time to go subscribe if you had not been subscribed before. Um, I went over some of my personal experiences with racism within the church. I talked about um, how I think we should go about healing, some steps for that. And I also talked about subliminal racism and um, how we internalize things subconsciously and then how that informs our view of Christianity and what is holy or not holy. And so I thought that that was going to be the end of me talking about that and I was going to come back this week and we're going to go back to the book of Acts and then just keep going forward. But the Holy Spirit started talking to me about another aspect um, of this conversation that I didn't really talk about in the blog post and so I wanted to kind of finish up that conversation. So that's what we're going to talk about today and then hopefully next week we'll go back to the book of Acts. I don't know. We're just going to go where the Holy Spirit tells us to go. So The thing that I wanted to talk about today is division. Um, In those posts, I talked about a lot of my personal experiences, but I didn't really get into the nitty gritty of racism. We have this word racism and it's a big word. It's a complex issue. We talk about it like it's black and white, both literally and metaphorically. Like it's just a cut and dry thing and that it only applies to black people and white people. But that's the farthest thing from the truth. There is a lot a lot, a lot going on with racism. It is an extremely complex issue. And if you talk to most people, especially people from the Christian faith, most of us don't actually think that we can fix it. And that's sad, but it's true. I don't think that anybody can actually fix the disease that is racism in our country or eradicate it. Um, I think that that's only gonna be solved when Christ comes back. However, I do believe that we as believers have a responsibility to every single person we come into contact with to make their life better and to um, to have some sort of positive example, positive effect, to be a light in the communities that we exist in. We cannot fix every single person, okay? We cannot save every single person. 
But we're supposed to try and we're supposed to save as many as we can and we're supposed to heal as many as we can and we're supposed to bring hope to as many as we can. And that means that we still have to try. And it's hard. Um, as somebody who has experienced racism firsthand beginning at the age of four, I can tell you that it's an uphill battle. You know, before I was four or five, I was in the stage of denial. I didn't know that it existed. Ignorance is bliss. And I hate that sentiment because I don't think anybody should be ignorant. But at the same time, it's so true. When you don't know, you are in this happy little bubble and everything is rosy and everything is beautiful. And um, you just don't know. But the moment that bubble is burst and you're launched into this world where racism exists, for me, I have cycled through three different phases. One is rage, where you're just absolutely and utterly angry at everything and everybody and every situation and it's exhausting. The second is sadness or depression, where everything just hurts and you're just overwhelmed emotionally by what is being happened to you and it's not even that you're mad you're just sad and hurt and in those phases like I don't want to get up I don't want to do anything you're just you just want to disappear and the third which I think is actually the worst is apathy where I just don't care I just want to go to work get my paycheck come home and not see anybody I don't want to talk to nobody don't talk to me Leave me alone. I don't care what happens. It's not my problem. I just want to live. And I don't care. I don't care to fix it. I don't care to do anything positive. I just want to be left alone. I have probably visited each of these phases multiple times in my life. And I would wager many other people have too. Not just black people. Everybody. The problem in our country is that division is in the fabric of the country. That's literally what the country was founded upon. And we've all absorbed some form of bias, racial bias. Um, we have absorbed traits of white supremacy. We, we perpetuate the oppression that has been um, inflicted upon ourselves. And we're all basically broken. And it's weird to me that when we go to the church, there are no programs to try to help fix this particular brokenness. You know, I know plenty of churches that host, for instance, AA meetings to help alcoholics recover. Most churches have ministries for like singles to help them to deal with all of the issues that we deal with as singles and to help them find, you know, spouses. People have family ministries and, and, and you know, women's ministries and men's ministries, all of these things to help us adapt and adjust to life as a born-again Christian, as a new person in Christ. But we don't ever have like a diversity ministry that would educate us on diversity within the church, the history of, you know, each group or anything like that. And I think that's something we need to start doing. First and foremost, in America, well, I should say in the United States, history is taught from the lens of white culture and it's taught by the victors. And so you only get a sliver of what's out there. And I can tell you 
when I went through public school, we did not talk about Asian history. We didn't talk about Hispanic history. We didn't talk about Native American history. And we didn't talk about black people. Um, you get exactly what they want you to know. Thanksgiving, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if they said anything about Asian people except for the fact that Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. Um, nothing about Hispanic people and... You know, it, it's, it's a very, very, very narrow way to go through life. If you do not take it upon yourself to go learn about these things and these cultures, you will not know. And that is a tragedy. And I think that while as a church, our primary duty is to preach the good news of Christ, it's also our duty to learn and to, to understand truth about our world, our society, and to be prepared to interact with people who are not like us. How can I help you if I don't know you? How can I come to you and share the gospel of Christ if I don't know your situation, if I don't know what you've been through, if I can't relate to you, or if you feel like you can't relate to me? That becomes a, a stumbling block. When I've been having conversations with people about racism in the past couple of weeks, and even before then, um, the lack of understanding it is very apparent. And one of the historical things that I want to talk about in this particular episode related to division um, is about how the devil inspired America to divide and conquer amongst minorities. I attribute this to the devil because it's exactly what he wants from us. He wants us to be worried about this over here instead of that over there. He wants us to be divided so that we cannot function as a body. He wants to make sure that we do not come together as one to fight him. He wants to make sure that we are weak. He wants to make sure that we are easily manipulated. Um, when we get into these sensitive topics, they're uncomfortable and tempers flare, emotions flare, and then we start acting out of God's character. We start acting in human character. And then we say things that we regret or we do things and we cause offense and we cause our neighbors to stumble. We cause ourselves to stumble. We get into confrontations. We become angry with each other. And then we start to become unforgiving of each other. And Christ says that if we can't forgive our neighbor, why should he forgive us? right? So all of these things put our salvation at risk. So first and foremost, I want to talk about why we are divided in the first place. When America was founded, there was always separation. But what people forget is that even though the United States boasts of being a nation without a caste system, we do have a caste system. There are the very, very rich, and then there are the rest of us, okay? We have a 1%, and that 1% has all the money and all the power in our country. But they don't have the numbers. Guys, in recent years, more minority babies have been born in our country than majority babies. That means that in a little less than 18 years, there will be a generation voting that can actually outvote white people. That means in just a generation, 
we will have the voting power to completely restructure this country. We could turn this into a country where all people are treated equally, where regardless of race, you are treated fairly, and we could end the injustices that we see against each other. However, we have been pitted against each other for centuries, and we have internalized the ideas of assimilation, white supremacy, and a host of other things that keep us divided and keep us from realizing that goal. When there was only slaves and natives and rich white people and poor white people, they started implementing this from the ground. They wanted to make sure that the slaves did not come together with the poor whites because if the slaves and the poor whites came together, they would outnumber the rest of the people. So they told the poor white people that they were better and that they had to um, stay away from, from the blacks, that the blacks were gonna you know, kill them or that they were gonna take jobs from them or that they were inferior. And they basically tried to make those white people feel like they were still part of this rich elite group. And the way that they were to um, you know, assimilate into that group was to shun the black people. And so that's what they did. And that started a wedge between the poor whites and the slaves so that they would never come together and realize that they were both living in abhorrent conditions and try to you know, topple the rich elect. And as you started bringing in more groups, the natives, the Hispanics, the Asians that were coming into the country, they kept up this plan. They kept dividing and conquering, making sure that no minority group came together. And we see this. I've had people tell me that just just absolutely crazy things. I've had, I've experienced racism from my Asian peers. I've experienced racism from my Hispanic peers. I've experienced racism from my own black peers, okay? We all can discriminate and we all have that in us. And sometimes it's just subconscious, but it has really gotten embedded into our communities. What they do is they withhold funding. In many cases, those of us from different countries have different things that are affecting us in the country. For instance, as an African-American, I was brought here against my will or my family was brought here against my will. They were stripped of their cultural heritage. They were stripped of their language. They were stripped of their traditions and policies have been put into place to ensure single parent families, to ensure poverty, to make sure that we can't get into certain neighborhoods, to ensure that we can't go to certain schools, to make sure that our education is limited. This is why the slaves weren't allowed to read in the first place, right? There are a lot of policies that have been put into place to keep black people where they are. Many issues dealing with racism, whether it's towards black people or whether it's towards Asian people or whether it's towards Hispanics or any other subgroup have to do with socioeconomics because our world is based on money. So as long as you can keep people poor, you can keep them out of power. You can keep them out of 
good educational opportunities. And that is what happens. But then what they will try to do is make it seem as though we're taking money from you and giving it to you. And then as people, for some reason, we get angry at each other. So if people start implementing things for black people, then Asians and Latinos and Hispanics are angry at black people. And if they take things and give it to an Asian person, then the black people and the Hispanics are mad at the Asian person. But really, all of our groups are suffering. We're all lacking in representation in the media. We're all lacking in representation in you know, the boardrooms and in the courtrooms and um, in all things that are important. We're all lacking the correct representation. But instead of getting mad at the other people, we're mad at each other. I remember in college, um, there was an Asian student who went on this whole rampage about black people being at the college. And he basically was saying that we didn't deserve to be there and that it was harder for Asian people to get into the school. And it was insane because the school is like 80 to 90% white. Like black people only made up like 5% of that school. And you're like, wait, why are you upset that I'm here? Like I'm struggling, my people are struggling just like your people are struggling. And you start to see that when issues of racism come up, that we separate into our groups and we start saying me, 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 me. And then we start pointing fingers and we have been taught to internalize the same racial biases that our white counterparts have when we look at other people. So just like white people may say insensitive things or racist things to an Asian person, I may have picked those up and I may do the same thing. Similarly, as I said, I have experienced racism from other groups and they may pick up those things and you will see that these other groups have negative biases towards black people. And that's unfortunate because if we were working together, these things wouldn't happen. One of the things that I find particularly interesting um, because um, I think possibly because of the duration of time that we've been in the country, um, the Asian community and the African-American community have notoriously been pitted against each other. And I think it's because we've both been here for so long. And if you go into history and you start reading about Asian culture, you'll start to see a lot of unfortunate things. Um, they were also treated poorly because they're not white. Um, just like Brown versus Board of Education allowed black people to go to an integrated school, that also helped Asians go to the integrated school because I don't think that they would have been allowed to go either. But historically, they've also been discriminated against by whites, but it's it's a different type of discrimination. It's different ways and methods. And so when you look at Asian culture, there's whole essays and, and scholarly papers about how certain things came about in the Asian community, such as how, um, you know, the, the whole trend of Asian beauty supply stores started or like the um, salons where you get your nails done, things like that. 
and I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but there there is research about why these communities were forced to open things like that. And it was primarily because like black people, they were not allowed to have what we call white collar jobs. So they had to improvise and create these other businesses. And when they opened these businesses, of course, their audience could not be white people because the white people didn't want them there either. So instead, they started opening businesses in black communities. Now, this is where things get interesting because historically, if you go to a beauty supply store in a black neighborhood, it is probably owned by an Asian person, specifically a Korean person. And it's interesting because black people only own 1% of beauty supply stores, and yet we spend an outrageous amount of money in that industry. We spend more money in that industry than any other minority group or ethnic group. And that is because from the time that we have come, we have been told that we are ugly and that we are unacceptable. And it's interesting because that means that their business is dependent on upholding the ideas that we need weaves, that we need perms, that we need to straighten our hair. And basically by upholding the ideas that our natural self is not okay. Think about that. Literally the welfare of this Asian enterprise is built on the concept that black people should look like white people. That is what I mean by pitting communities against each other. Because Satan is literally getting them to continue to dole out white supremacy to us. And then if you look back historically, because these, because these businesses are in our neighborhoods, when things like what is going on right now happen and riots start, they're in the center of the controversy. And so a lot of times those are the businesses that get burnt down. And of course, if I am a Korean person and these black people came and burst the windows out my store and burnt the store down, I'm going to be upset, right? And that's how you start these controversies in between the races. But we both have some of the same struggles. We also have different struggles. We have different histories here in the country but we should be able to work together to make it a better place. Instead, we're succumbing to the ills of the past. But in order to understand these nuances, we have to understand the history. We have to understand why they built these stores in the first place. And it's not because they just sat down and was like, yeah, black people need to fix themselves. No, it's because that's the only thing white people would allow them to do. And we have to understand why we're upset that we're being killed. They have to understand why we're upset that we're being killed. Um, and so I think that as believers, and I should add, that's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like these interpersonal relationships or interracial relationships across the minority communities, across you know blacks and Asians, across blacks and Hispanics, it goes deep really deep it gets ugly it gets crazy and you you step back and you're like why are we treating each other like this we are all on the same sinking boat and we need to be 
finding life jackets and getting on the cruise ship and throwing the people on the cruise ship off. Okay, maybe not that far, okay? But essentially, we need to be banding together so that we can survive because we have shared experiences. We just don't share them with each other. And when we do share them with each other, we have a tendency to point fingers. Um, and we have to stop because like I said, we're all struggling and that division is unhealthy, it's toxic. And I think that the church is the perfect place to get rid of this toxicity. I think this is the perfect place to sit down and to utilize the love that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be giving us, the patience that the Holy Spirit is supposed to give us, and the self-control that the Holy Spirit is supposed to give us to have these conversations, to, um, to force ourselves to understand things from another person's point of view, and to see how we got where we are so that we can move forward together. So the point of this episode was not to actually give you the history of racism or the history of the division, but to help you become interested in learning that history. There are so many books out there. There are so many articles and, and essays, and I think that we should be reading them and we should be exploring them as a church, as believers. And we should be having our study groups about these things and we should be actively recruiting people from other cultures to explain to us why they feel the way they feel. And we should be trying to connect with those people because it's just unacceptable for us to, to keep, you know, rowing in our little canoe by ourselves. We have to join forces. We have to put these things aside and find our common ground. So I definitely, definitely encourage you to look up the history of um, division amongst minorities, the history of um, racism in our country. And I encourage you to start a diversity ministry at your church. So I will link some references in the show notes and go over some more Bible verses that go a little deeper into this. I didn't want to make the episode too very long. Um, don't forget to subscribe, to like, all of those wonderful things. Share it with your family, share it with your friends. And hopefully next week we will be back to the book of Acts, learning about the early church. I will see you guys next week. Bye.